Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mac, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. It's our Men's Health Month in the House Call community, and I am so excited to be here with my co-host, Wendell McMillan II, mm-hmm. my husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has been wonderful. You know, we sent out a little bonus episode on Sunday to mm-hmm. tell everybody what we were doing for men's health and how we were wrapping up this season. Um, so guys, if you haven't heard it, you know, just go subscribe and it'll download immediately. You'll get a feed to it and it tells you what's coming up for men's health month and how we actually came up with the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to talk about how you can get in touch with us. You can reach us at realdoc74 at gmail.com. That's our um, email address. You can send us um, your questions, your concerns. If there's something that you think we can change, that would be great. Um, let us know what you're thinking, what dots, health dots you'd like us to connect. Um, you, can, you can follow us on our Instagram account. It's at realdoc74. We show how we're winning the day with alternate modes of transportation i call it you know just getting out there and putting on some sneakers and walking we are on twitter at the same handle at real doc 74 you can follow us and that way you can dm us and tell us what you're thinking what what topics you would like for us to connect just coming up you know to thinking about what we're doing in the community we're gonna feature a segment on health insurance mm-hmm. and the Affordable Health Care Act. We've had several questions. We've actually come across some personal situations or different um, scenarios that we've all, that both of us have kind of encountered with people in our sphere. And we thought That's that would a be a change. great um, topic mm-hmm. to to talk and to tackle. So if you have any, if you have any scenarios that you'd like to share with us, have any questions about the Affordable Health Care Act, please send them to us on that modality. The Gmail modality is the way that we can connect. Um, for those of us that, for the, I'm sorry, for those of you who are connected to corporations, so House Call does corporate medicine, and what we do is we, we coordinate roundtable discussions because we're seeing, again, going back to the Affordable Health Care how insurance companies are really pushing people to do preventative medicine. So we start conversations and helping people connect their health dots where they can do a lot of preventative things on their own, where they can be a active participant. They can take hold of their health from this side instead of having to be on the chronic illness side. And that's where medicine gets very frustrating. I think that's, that's where it's going. So if you want to contact us to um, do some corporate medicine for you, you can reach out to us at our Gmail account as well. So I'm going to give it over to my co-host today to introduce this, this, the segment. All right. We are, I mean, we were very fortunate, and this is going to be a powerful episode, guys. So definitely have your pen and paper ready. You want to pay attention. Um, just give you an idea who we talked to. Dr. Leon Seard has been practicing, practicing since 1992. He's originally from Washington, D.C. He went to Oakwood University for undergrad, went to Loma Linda University for medical school, and did his residency at the University of Southern California. Um, the areas he specializes in are general urology, urologic oncology, 
and urinary incontinence. Really had a lot of fun um, yeah. recording this one. I learned a lot. I think you did too. I did too. <laughs> I did too. So, um, you know, we won't hold up any longer. We'll let you hear from Dr. Sid. And hopefully, um, you know, like I said, if you had any questions specifically for him, we'll put some ways you can get in touch with him in the show notes. Um, but, yeah, let's go ahead. So, let's sit down. Let's have this conversation. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. We are kicking off June, which is Men's Health Month, with a very special series. I have the opportunity to have my one and only, my husband, be my co-host today Hello. and for the, for the month. Thank you. And then we have the privilege of having Dr. Leon Seard with us, who is a urologist that is going to be with us today in our house call community. Welcome, Dr. Seard. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Mack. It's a pleasure to be with you. Oh, I have to say, this is a full circle moment for me because I remember when I was, mm, I'm not sure how old I was, but it was many <laughs> moons ago where you and Donna and Jonathan would come to the Rickwood house and sit around and I would just look and say, oh my goodness, I can't wait to be a college student. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember those days well, and, it's, and you know, every now and then when I get the chance to come into Huntsville I, and have time to drive around, I kind of spin by the, and feel my way to various spots to remember uh, episodes and times like that that, that share those were, some, those were some precious times and precious memories. Yes, yes. So this, like I said, full circle, sitting down and having a wonderful conversation with you today. So I'm excited about this. All right. Um, I you can, know, it's hard to believe this is little Keisha and now she's Dr. Matt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, man. So, Dr. Seard, um, you know, what I wanted to start talking to you about was, first of all, your specialty. You are a urologist, and what I would like for you to help our community understand is where urology fits into the scheme of medicine. Um, are you a general practitioner or are you a subspecialist? If you could give us a little snippet of where urology fits. Okay, well, urology is a surgical subspecialty, and I like to kind of say colloquially that I'm the male GYN, ah. uh, for lack of a, a better comparison. Um, I, we deal with the urinary system of men, correction, the urinary system of both sexes, mm -hmm. and the reproductive system of men. Okay. And so in terms of more specific things, kidney stones and kidney problems and leakage of urine and prostate cancer and bladder cancer and, and vasectomies and, and impotence and all those types of things um, are what we, we, we deal with primarily. Okay. That, 
I'm glad that you made that distinction um, because I think most people, when they think urologists, they only think men. But you did say that you can deal with the bladder or urinary system of women as well. That's, that's correct. Okay. And that is that is a false assumption. Many people think it's just men only, but yes, we take care of both sexes. Okay. Now, as we're talking about Men's Health Month, you know, we know that men really don't like to go to the doctor. <laughs> and No. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I will never forget, I have this one memory when I was in residency. I was actually starting my third year at Washington Hospital Center here in D.C., and the residency program director was showing me around. He was taking me on a tour and had told me that they had just redone labor and delivery and put a lot of money into the women's health um, area of the hospital. And he said what they have found is that if a woman comes in and has a positive experience when she has her baby, because she's the person that really does direct the medical care in her family, when her husband has his heart attack, she's going to direct him to the hospital center. So in having put that background together, what would you say women need to be aware of that we can start gently leading our significant others into various discussions that men should have with their physicians? I think, I mean, it's, it's very true, and we know certainly in the urologic community, uh, and especially for the minority the African-American community, that marketing and instructing and educating the spouses and significant others is very key. And so when you think about the same thing that women deal about their annual screenings, their annual checkups, those are things that, that they need to encourage their, their men to do as, as, as well, and especially as they get older. And, and we as urologists, of course, I'm focused on those areas that are specific for urology, but there is definitely some crossover. And so the, the idea of making sure they they get their hearts checked and EKGs and their, their lungs checked and their screening, but there's a family history of, of colon cancer or prostate cancer. And so basically they want to, you know, take care of their their own health. And as a rule, we tend to much more so than the fair agenda, uh, want to only come to see the doctor when we think something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And generally it's when it's really bad. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But women are better with the preventive maintenance and giving themselves checked. And, and we just, we don't want to do that. We said, oh, I'm doing fine. I don't have time to go to the doctor and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I think those same uh, encouragements need to be done uh, for men to do it. One of the things I love to do is, is do community uh, education. And I often, most of that is, been done historically for me in a church setting. Okay. And a lot of times when I'm giving medical information or medical uh, talks, education, I will uh, couch it or clothe it in, in terms, in spiritual terms or in biblical stories to have a better effect for the audience that I'm speaking to. And, and one of the, my favorite 
Delusions is the, the story of Naaman in Second Kings chapter five. Mm. And here, here was a man who had all these things. He was a powerful man. He was a, obviously a virile man. He was a, a, a real respected man. He had all these things, but the Bible says he was a leper. Mm. Um, and, and we look at it, even the more specifically the African American convention. There are all these wonderful things that African American men are, but they, we've got some issues. Hmm. And here was that Naaman was sick, and it was the women in his life that encouraged him to get himself taken care of. It was the servant girl that says, I know a man. Mm-hmm. It was his wife that that, that kind of helped facilitate that. And then it, it ended up being that he only had to do something simple wow. to get his, his cure. And, and too often um, men look at things that are, that are done or have to be done is some huge thing and it's a lot of times it's just a simple thing that can make a difference and ultimately in uh, life or death or at the very least the quality of life. That was powerful. Right, right. Quick question for you, Dr. Sid. Um, mm-hmm. I know you, in box tracking, you talked about a little bit in terms of uh, annual checks. For you, yes. when it comes to prostate, what is the um, what are the recommendations now in terms of you know should we have the the digital rectal exam annually, should we get a PSA annually? What is it now? Because I'll be honest with you, when I go to my doctor, if she forgets to do the PSA, I'm not complaining. <laughs> so you know what is uh, what, what's the consensus now of how often we should do that? Now, what age should we start? Well, that opens a whole big uh, segue for me from the perspective of, of first of all, um, when I talk about a simple thing, um, the screening that we typically do are a blood test and a uh, physical examination and digital rectal examination. Mm-hmm. And as a rule, men are not wanting to think about that. And, it, and probably more so than not, uh, the African-American community is very homophobic. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you have an examination that requires a glove, lubricated finger to go into the rectum mm-hmm. is just a, an immediate turnoff for a lot yeah. of African-American men. Their first response is, okay, that was an orifice designed for something to come out of and not something to go into, mm-hmm. and they don't want to have it, they don't want to have it done. And so my normal response to that is that, look, women have been for decades exposing themselves and making them feel vulnerable up on in stirrups or a table to have their annual caps or whatever. This is the least that we can do for the women that we love. Oh my goodness, and, I'm so, jumping up and so down in the that, air. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so that that's the, the first piece. And, and then in terms of what the screening is, it's interesting that has become controversial. Um, I have a joke that says if you prostate cancer is, is controversial. If you talk to uh, six different urologists, you might get seven different opinions. <laughs> but re- recently, there is there have been some recommendations. Probably the most controversial was a couple of years ago. The United States Preventive Health Service Task Force came out with some recommendations, basically that said that routine screening for prostate cancer uh, should no longer be done. And the problem with that from, and they made a similar finding about mammograms a few years earlier, and they had to kind of modify that. Um, The problem with that recommendation was that, number one, there was not one urologist nor a cancer specialist on the panel that came up with these recommendations. Wow. And so I 
in our community felt it was rather irresponsible to make that kind of recommendation without at least including the expertise of those people who deal with this on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And then number two, they were the the principle they were trying to address was to avoid um, complications and problems with people who perhaps didn't need to have it done in the first place, which is mm-hmm. is laudable, but to to decide that uh, E is inevitable just because A exists is oh. rather a huge leap. Yes, and so yes. they will say, no, don't get digital examinations or PSAs being A, because if you get that, then you, you know, you leach, end up having incontinence and impotence and all these problems from complications, and maybe your cancer was not going to kill you in the first place, or all this kind of stuff, so why do that? Well, I mean, that may have some validity, but just because you get a PSA or a digital examination does not mean that you don't have to go to the next step, and even if you have a biopsy, does not mean you're going to have to. You're going to have cancer. If you have cancer, it does not necessarily mean that you have to have treatment. If you have treatment, it does not necessarily mean you're going to have a bad outcome from that treatment. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, you may uh, save a life by doing that. So, for them to kind of make that kind of um, recommendation was in the manner in which they did was a little bit irresponsible. Then our own. Um, your last community kind of changed their own recommendations as well and said, okay. We don't want to do this except for generally for the age 55 and above. Well, at the, the national meeting where that was first um, made public, there was a significant pushback from those who really treat the African-American community, mm-hmm. uh, especially the NMA, the National Medical Association representatives, and even some others who were very um, leaders in the field of uh, prostate cancer in, in, for years, such as people like Dr. William Catalona. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what we said, you made this recommendation, and then you did not include anything about uh, the high-risk groups, uh, the, those with family oh, history and African-Americans. Wow. And we, in our subcommittee in NMA, we challenged one of the members of the committee and said, it, it came in, I told him, as a side, I said, it communicates that we don't matter. Mm. And that mm. was what uh, the issue was. I think they're going back and looking at that and, and making some some different recommendations. But the, the bottom line with regard to it is that it is a discussion that needs to be had between the patient and the physician. But as a rule, generally, the recommendation now for Caucasian Americans is age 55, uh, we used to say age 50, and I don't have a problem still doing that, but age 50, uh, at worst, 55, getting an annual digital rectal examination, an annual blood test, the PSA to the prostate-specific antigen. Okay. Uh, if you have a family history of prostate cancer, uh, in a, primarily in a, in a first-degree relative who, who was diagnosed at an early age, so a father or brother or son, then you should start uh, at a minimum of 45, but most of us would say age 40. And, and, and the high-risk population, African-Americans as well, at an early, age, an early age, too. And the problem is that before the era of the PSA, many people, especially African-Americans, would be presenting when their prostate cancer was pretty far gone. Mm-hmm. And now you're, with these recommendations, there's a fear that we will start to see more of that again when we were making a dent in, in curing people and making their lives better by uh, attacking, attacking this earlier in its, its, its course. 
And so, and that's a long discourse to kind of say that, yes, especially the high-risk group needs to continue with annual screening. And I would say at, if you're Caucasian, um, at least at age 50, and if you're African-American, at least at age 45, but age, maybe age 40 may be a, a better recommendation. But it, 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 it comes with the point is that there should be a discussion between the physician and, and the, the patient. And even in the primary care setting, you as a, as a patient have the right to say, look, Americans, the disparity is significant, and these types of offerings often aren't given to African-Americans on the, the scale that the majority population is, and even treatments aren't the same. And so from that perspective, being willing to be an advocate for my community, I, I encourage my brothers and my uncles and sons and cousins to make sure they're getting themselves checked. And then my mothers and, and sisters and daughters and aunts to encourage the men in their lives to get themselves checked. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow-up question to that, um, well, two, if I may. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so definitely when it comes to uh, prostate cancer, you know, you need to be having that discussion um, with your physician. Now, I guess th- this is an adult show, yeah. so I can be kind of frank. Um, you okay. know, for men, uh, the, the number one thing we want to make sure is that we can perform um, in all areas of life, can I say it like sure. that? Sure, we'll put a disclaimer. Um, yeah. We'll put a disclaimer. Okay. <laughs> what are some, um, you know, and talking about say age thirty-five, um, mm-hmm. what are some things that we need to be doing for ourselves to take care of ourselves to make sure that we can, you know, perform in all areas of life? Well, I think the the easiest way to answer that question is to say all the normal things you do to be healthy. Mm-hmm. are going to help you to have good uh, sexual health as well. Mm-hmm. We know that uh, obesity, all the, these things, and so being cognizant of all the things that will say, okay, how am I going to be healthy? Okay, that means my diet. That means mm-hmm. exercise. That means uh, avoiding uh, toxins um, as much as I can. That means uh, limiting my stress to, to the extent that I can, and of course, um, especially within our community, um, the idea of, of spirituality has always been mm-hmm. important to the African-American community. So that's all of those things include to say, okay, these are things we need to, to focus on to, to be healthy. And by focusing on those things and you're doing the appropriate screenings, you're going to end up being fine. So if you're, mm-hmm. if you're overweight, you're going to have um, trouble with your heart. You're going to have trouble with, with um, uh uh, diabetes, you're, you're more prone to be impotent, you're more prone to have prostate cancer, and then more prone to have difficulty treating it if, you know, if you get it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being being cognizant of, of uh, our diets and exercises and drinking lots of water, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the way we grew, we grew up, we heard, uh, we were, you know, basically preached all kinds of, of ideas of natural things that have to be done. Um, and, and those in modern science is we learned it from a purely uh, theological doctrinal perspective but modern science has now come to corroborate and confirm and affirm yes. the things that we um, learned from a faith angle and now science is corroborating that and it's, it's, it's just we, we would do well to understand that faith and science do not 
are not exclusively um, polar opposites to each other. Yeah. Are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. One, one in each informs the other. In all honesty, if we would allow that to happen. So there's no magic pill, no magic bullet. You just have to take care of yourselves doing the right things every day. Uh, that's right. There, there is no magic bullet. Now, the, the, the thing is, is that, yeah, we've got ways to help make things better and fix things. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is the Western culture is, especially in the United States, it's a culture of, um, of correction. Mm-hmm. We, and, and we don't, uh, we don't push prevention much. Yes. You know, you'll see that more the, the more healthier foods and natural foods are more expensive. We're not worried about, but, you know, we want to say, okay, um, if, if I have cancer, Doc, you need to fix my cancer and make it good, uh, but, you know, I don't want to stop smoking. Right, um, right. You, know, you, need to, you need to give me um, this fat, this bariatric surgery mm. so I can lose weight um, when perhaps if I had been in a, a different lifestyle 15 years ago, I would not be in this position. Yes. Um, we we, we want to say fix it, um, and but we don't want to focus on how can we prevent it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking at our time, Dr. Seard, um, mm-hmm. Leon, and it is slipping away from us very quickly. <laughs> my is, goodness, yeah. this is really just good. just touching the surface here. I, I tell you, there are... Um, we had some people to write in. A lot of people, um, a lot of big questions came up about the prostate. You ta- you touched on that. Um, we we talk about, we know that hypertension is a big one in our community. And so do you see any correlations with, I know, with diabetes and hypertension and impotence and how it kind of correlates uh, with your specialty? Absolutely. Probably the number one cause of uh, impotence is diabetes. Mm. Um, and all of those comorbid conditions, diabetes, vascular disease, hypertension, all those things can secondarily affect uh, sexual function because of either from uh, being the, the quickly the from a blood flow that allows the erection to take place to the uh, nerve innervation that makes that to, to go the way it's supposed to go and uh, in, in a timely fashion. Um, all those things are come into play that, and then sometimes the, especially in hypertension, the medications that are used mm-hmm. to treat hypertension also have side effects of causing impotence. And then the other side is that we don't, it's become very involved now. Now this, I know we're limited time, but I want to throw this in at the idea of low testosterone. Hmm. which is another thing that causes men to lose their sex drive. The testosterone normally deteriorates, gets lower as time goes by as a man gets older, but that can lead to fatigue and depression, loss of sex drive and impotence and and poor bone health and all these things. And just like women have um, low estrogen or uh, um, menopause, we have andropause. So there is that, and that needs to be included. So all these things basically are included in the discussion of men's health. And we tend to, as men, want to focus just on that area below the belt. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. There is so much more that we need to address, all of which affects below the belt. That's Mm -hmm. right. I'm so glad you touched on that area. 
um, because we, you know, as women, we will talk about our hormone levels dipping and how it makes us feel and gives us foggy brain. And I'm not able to do certain things like I thought I used to be able to do in terms of keeping up with or juggling or, you know, having to multitask like I used to. And bringing that up in terms of hormone balance and being balanced and how you start feeling off kilter you know some people say I just don't feel like I used to or I can't get up and go like I used to so depression is real for men um, you know being able to continue to function and be a whole person and have and have an optimal way of living and I'm just so excited that we've been able to have this conversation this is really really exciting for me um, you know, Dr. Seard, we're coming down to the end of our conversation, and we usually ask our guests to give our community a tip of the day. It can be a tip for just men's health, or it can be um, a tip for the whole community. It's up to you. So if you would be so kind to give our community a tip of the day. Okay, I will use, say this, that... Um, the scriptures talk about my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. That knowledge is that we normally apply that to a spiritual realm. It also applies to a physical realm. Mm-hmm. And so many of us have been blessed with expertise, and it's out there now with the Internet. It's out there. You get some exposure. You want to have some exposure. Get the information. Um, and I'll close on this um, there was a woman with an issue of blood and the text says when she heard about Jesus and so information then we are on the right track to getting our health optimalized and that's I would say take advantage and get information and then respond appropriately thank you so much community I know you're going to rewind this I know you're (laughs) going to grab a pen a paper sit down Just take it all in, you know, and until next time, we'll see you guys back here in the community. Bye now.